Welcome on into the Smash Mouth Football Podcast. As always, I'm your host, joined by my fellow co-host, Gavin Everingham, Connor Green. This is Chris McGuire speaking. Don't know why I didn't say my name at first, but what's up, boys? We are going to talk about all the extensions going on around the NFL right now, including Darius Leonard, Nick Chubb, Josh Allen. We are also doing a backup quarterback draft, a two-round backup quarterback draft. Gavin's making a bunch of noise in the background. It is totally fine. Two round backup quarterback draft where we draft who we would, uh, who we would want as potential options to replace the now injured Carson Wentz. Let's get it started first. What's up, boys? Apologies for the noise. I was plugging in my super um, professional microphone, so that was the USB entering the usb port so yeah yeah apologies for the unprofessionalism totally fine connor how are you doing first chris forgot his name i'm doing good if only there was a way for you to mute yourself gavin if only there's some kind of button for that i I really didn't think it was going to be audible i I don't know i (laughs) wasn't loud to me but i guess it was right next to the speaker or something i don't know Yes, and also, is... Connor, Connor, fuck you. If only there was a way for you to attend the podcast regularly. I'm a part-time podcast host <laughs> at this point. So I'm first we're going to do our – uh, So tensions are high. First we're going <laughs> to do our bachelor <laughs> recap. Connor, how was your bachelor experience last week? Or okay, week Chris, it's half. actually the bachelorette that's on now. So, you bachelor know, first bad. of all, fuck you. See, uh, Connor, it would be acceptable great. if it was Love Island, but it's the is bachelorette. That, is that better? Yes. Is that better than the Bachelorette? Yes, it's Explain it's better content. Explain. Do you watch Love Island? You love no, Island I don't. I don't, but I would um, ten times much rather watch that shit than the Bachelorette. Wow, well, you're just uncultured. Because at least Love Island's kind of uncultured, funny. Uncultured, uncultured. No, because the thing is, a Bachelor, like all that shit's fucking scripted. At least like Love Island, like you know, it's. I'm sure, like, I mean, I don't want to say it's not scripted because I don't really know. But at least, like, the fact that we don't know it's scripted, <laughs> it, it adds a little bit of excitement. Because, like, literally, people get off the Bachelor to Bachelor and they're like, yeah, it was, it was scripted. And at least in Love Island, it's like, you know it's not, you're not there to get, fall in love. Like, you're there to just, it's for entertainment and have a bunch of British people go, oh, hello. Like, I don't know, it's just funny. Hello, love. <laughs> wow, that was a perfect accent, Chris. I thought so. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. That's what they all sound like. Let's let's get down to it. Uh, First, let's talk about just real quick. uh, It might be a little repetitive just because somebody in the same position signed an extension last episode. Darius Leonard, he signed a five-year $99.25 million extension with the Indianapolis Colts. uh, Right on par with uh, Fred Warner's deal and uh, not really going to, I mean, not really going to dive too much into it, but uh, it's what, a what lot of money guys think about that? for him. It's, it's a lot of money and it's like for the Fred Warner thing, I got it. And we kind of dove way into that um, on that episode. So if you guys didn't listen to that, go check it out. But um, the Fred Warner thing, I felt like was kind of justified kind of, I was, I don't know if I would have done it, but I, under, I don't really have any qualms with it. You know, it's, Fred Warner is an incredible coverage linebacker, yada, yada. Darius Leonard coming out for a linebacker was very, very good. Um, at this point, he's not like a superstar linebacker. I mean, he's solid. He's really good. 
I don't think he's like on Fred Warner's level by any means. He's not on the Luke Keekley, Bobby Wagner level. Um, I think he's kind of, and maybe he's going to be disrespectful to say, I don't know. I feel like he's just kind of riding still that wave, like the name recognition of like when he was really good coming out. Um, not saying he's been bad, but it's just, he just, I don't think he deserves that money. And that sounds really shitty to say I'm sitting here on a fucking couch saying, you know, whatever. But in terms of, if we're comparing it to Fred Warner, which we kind of are obligated to, cause he just got paid. I don't really think he is on par with Fred Warner. That's uh, just, I don't know. That's my take. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you're not necessarily wrong. I mean, just like just general statistics wise. I mean, he's dropped in just about every category since his like awesome rookie year. He's like tackles, uh, not that tackles mean anything. He went from 119 to 79 to 93. Uh, granted, he's also played less snaps each of the past two years because of injury. He went from 956 snaps his first year, 828, 825 his past season. But he's also he's he's been less productive as a pass rusher, going from seven to six sacks to two sacks his past season. He's gotten less pressures. He's Missed more tackles. He missed more tackles last year than he had ever. Uh, and all he's those a great player. You could check his PFF coverage grade too, and I yeah, doubt no. he's ever been superb in that either. Yeah, I mean, his first year. I mean, I have his coverage grade it's up right now. He went from seventy nine point eight, which is among the prestige linebackers, because I mean, in terms of coverage grade, that's excellent for linebackers. For down a linebacker, to 70. yeah, five down to sixty nine point eight. So like. I, I think it really just comes down to like what like what do you guys how much do you guys value the leadership aspect of a guy in the middle of your defense? Because I mean, he's always going to be really, really good. Is is Darius Leonard ever going to be like truly elite year in year out like a Luke Keekley, like like a Ray Lewis? That's uh, a very high bar to set. He could, I mean, yeah, he's, he's been great in the past. I think he'd be a very good linebacker again. But I think continuity is important for a defense, especially when you're talking about somebody who's the leader of the defense. It's like there's an added value when you can keep somebody who is the leader of your defense for a long time. There is, but $20 million a year? It, like, it, I just I don't know. It, yeah, I don't you, know what the exact you, dollar amount for that is. I mean, it's a lot of money, but... I mean, the I thing mean, is, it's not quite 20. It's like... What ninety nine year ninety nine dollars five years was that what it was? Yeah, it, not ninety nine dollars, yeah, but you know, yeah, it was <laughs> ninety nine ninety nine ninety nine point two five. And million. he's still overpaid, according to. Yeah, he's making ninety nine dollars over five years. No, uh, it's. I agree that leadership is important. I mean, that's why, like, it's probably why Tyrant Matthew, like, I mean, he's good too, but that adds to it. Like he's very, he's an outspoken leader on the defense as a captain. Like Darius Leonard pulls out plays. Yeah. I mean, dude is, is solid, but Darius Leonard, it's like, he's an off ball linebacker and he's not one of those game changers in pass coverage. Um, really over the last two years, he's not been a liability in terms of like overall. Cause I'm sure, I mean, well, there's plenty of linebackers that are worse, but when you're just like, a really good run defender. I just don't like those linebackers are way easier to find than, you know, uh, 
pass coverage linebacker like a Fred Warner, Luke Keekley, whatever. Now, like, would you pay Blake Martinez $20 million a year, Chris? No, hell no, no. But yeah. I will say, I mean, the, the thing about Blake Martinez is his, the way he is, like, he is strictly, like, he is kind of strictly leadership and just he's a but guy his, run, his who, run-stopping, you know, percentages are great. His tackle for losses, yeah. all that, you know? But, that, but the thing is, like, he, the way he makes his money is, one, he's a leader. He's an extremely good leader. He's loved in the locker room. And also, he's just a guy who has made all of his money for knowing he's never in the wrong spot. He's not going to make any of these, like, athletic, like, super athletic plays. He's never going to be able to go. He's never going to be, like, a sideline to sideline linebacker. But, he's got the fundamentals down, though. Yeah, exactly. He's he's the he's a fundamentally good linebacker, but that's not what you pay for. At least for Darius Leonard, he's an extremely unique. And I, I guess I shouldn't even use unique anymore because you're kind of seeing more and more of these linebackers. But the idea of a unique linebacker like ten years ago is the mold of Darius Leonard. I mean, he's two hundred thirty-four pounds. He's six two. He you know, I mean, even though he's dropped off in coverage the past two years compared to his rookie year, he's still a pretty good uh, he's still he's still a pretty good coverage linebacker. And he even though he's declined a little bit in pass rushing, he's still an excellent pass rusher as an off ball linebacker. I mean, he's extremely, extremely versatile. Would I have paid him 20 million dollars a year? No. I mean, you can't tell me that he should be getting paid more than like Bobby Wagner. But, you know, like. Like Connor said, I, I I mean I'm I'm kind of one foot in, one foot out on this because you know if I'm setting up my team, I'm probably not going to prioritize off-ball linebacker. But I do see the value in keeping Darius Leonard around. To Connor's point, continuity and having like a leader in the middle of that defense. So I mean I don't know. I probably wouldn't have, but I don't think it's an egregious deal. I think he might be maybe a little bit more than he was worth, but I don't think it's like a it's going to break the French. No, definitely it's not. bankrupt him, yeah. I mean, as a Cowboys fan, we paid Jalen Smith a bunch of money, and he's way worse than Terry. <laughs> yeah, he's never in the right place at the right time. So, well, there's still hope. Don't give up hope for Jalen Smith. Yeah, he's still young. He could still bounce back, and he was good a couple years ago, but he had a tough year last year. Definitely would would have rather kept Byron Byron Jones. Yeah, there's a lot of people you could say that about <laughs> Elliot. But I guess we can move on because this is not a this is not a podcast about the Cowboys. This is a podcast about the NFL. So we will. Which actually, rocking. that's actually a decent segue in paying Ezekiel Elliott and paying a running back that much money. Nick Chubb also just signed a contract. He signed a three-year extension for thirty-six point six million dollars. So he gets a significant extension, a significant uh, what's the word for it? Uh, pay raise. Uh. What do you guys think about that? Because uh, I was personally expecting him to get much more. And I don't know if that's because my opinion of Nick Chubb's much higher than a lot of people. Uh, but I do was think, expecting a lot. Do you more. think Kareem Hunt? I think Kareem Hunt probably takes away a lot of his leverage. I mean, Kareem Hunt had like 840 rushing yards last year. He's a good receiving back. He's shown the ability to be like a, a like an every down back when he was with the Chiefs. I think he took away a lot of leverage from Chubb. And I'm sure Chubb may have taken a discount to play on a winning team with a great offensive line. But yeah, I was expecting him to get paid more too. What about, what about you, Gavin? Do, what would you expect him to sign for? Well, I feel like, what was so three years, $12 million, like, or three, sorry, 
three years, 36 million. So 12 million a year, right? That's, I mean, that's pretty in line of what, what I expect a running back to get, to get paid of, of his caliber. I mean, CMC got what? Was egregious, like 16 million a year. Was that what it was? I don't, I don't quite remember that. Yeah. Um, Comparing the two's output, I and as a Panthers fan, I know I have. To, I mean, I don't think I really need to preface this. I love CMC. I would rather have Nick Chubb at twelve million dollars a year than CMC at sixteen million dollars a year, and I wouldn't really rather have. I wouldn't have Nick Chubb at twelve million dollars a year either. Because is Nick Chubb meaningfully better? at running the football than his backup. Now that's like kind of, I mean, Kareem Hunt's his backup. So it's like, he has a very good backup, but I'm saying like, you don't, I don't know. Like I just, I don't think, I don't even know what Kareem Hunt's making right now. Obviously it's probably not that expensive because for reasons. Um, yeah. For, uh, uh, he, we're not going to make a joke about what he did. He he he's he he made a huge mistake and he's an asshole for it. But uh, yeah, he got he's making six million dollars a year, about as much as a kicker. Six. Yeah, well, no, the no. best kicker. Nick Chubb. So the deal would make him the sixth highest paid running back on a yearly average. I feel like that's probably about in line where I'd rank him in terms of running backs. But obviously, we all on this podcast are very anti running back. So we probably think running all running backs should get a pay cut. But, I mean, he's young. He's obviously very productive. I mean, and I think a, a good part of this, and the same thing was true with Ezekiel Elliott, is it's not just a football decision. It's a business decision. Nick Chubb is a pretty popular player. He, he's got some star power off the field. I mean, he's I, I would imagine he's selling a I lot mean, of jerseys. He's young. Ezekiel, I mean, it, it's a business decision. These are businesses. Ezekiel Elliott was a star in the Cowboys before they gave him that major extension. I, I'm sure the Cowboys. I'm sure the Cowboys would have been just fine selling jerseys. If I'm sure that. Up. I mean, Dak Prescott. I think sells a lot more. The, than Ezekiel Elliott does. But I, I think I'm, I mean, yeah, just, a part yes. of it, it. The Cowboys have a lot of stars, but a part of it is a business decision. It's fans like continuity. Fans like it when it's the same player year in and year out. You de- you develop like a loyalty, not just to the team but to players, and that's good for business. Well, here, I mean, I, I, I disagree. I don't think they should have paid. I don't think any running back is worth $12 million. Um, and I don't think he's significantly better than Kareem Hunt at running the football. But I, I mean, look at it like so Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, what do, what do you think their, their snap split was? I don't know, Chris, if you have that available on PFF, that you see like how many snaps each of them got. But probably like 65 35. I mean, it wasn't that big of a game. And they ran a few like two halfback sets on the field. Yeah. But my point is, you're paying $12 million a year for Nick Chubb and $6 million a year for Kareem Hunt. So that's $18, so 18 million dollars yeah. a year you have invested in your backfield. That's more. Would you rather have that or just pay, pay CMC $16 million a year? So, like in a vacuum, yeah, Nick Chubb isn't, isn't that egregious of a, of a, you know, a paycheck, but when you're also paying your backup $6 million a year, it's a very good backup. If you just had cream hunt at $6 million a year, holy fuck, that's a bargain. Um, but you know, that's, that's an expensive backfield. Now, granted the Browns do run it a lot, but 
that doesn't mean really anything considering you look at the Ravens backfield and they have J.H. Dobbins on a rookie contract. Um, and then whatever Gus Edwards is making, I'm sure it's not much, but you well, know, Gus Edwards, Gus Edwards just signed an extension for $5 million per year. Okay. So, but it's still less than both the Browns backs, but yeah, yeah, no, I was just, I was just saying he's still making sure. 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 So that, that is not cheap for a backup, but J.K. Dobbins still on a rookie contract. So they can kind of get away with it. Um, it's, it's just, I hate, I don't want to ever say that the go-to is just to n- never extend a running back, but that might be the way to go. I mean, just, just draft a young guy every year. And unless you get like, it just doesn't really matter. I mean, you, so many guys, yeah, you have to invest in your offensive line. It really is mostly about but, the offensive line. The, but that the also creates kind of a shitty culture where line. you're just bringing guys into the locker room for, you know, four years and yeah. then cutting them. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's not great, but hear me out here. I, I actually think it was a great deal. A great deal. Not just a good deal from I, you. I, Are you okay? I think it was, I think Something it was a going great on deal. At home. So Doing twice if you're okay. I'm fine. No, I think it was a great deal, honestly. Because, I mean, we talk about the financials of it. So, he only has $17.13 million fully guaranteed. Total guarantees, he only has $20 million. So, you're talking about essentially like a year of his contract, a year and a half of his contract, and, like, you could just cut him. And so, you talk about the offensive line. I mean, they have – I mean, Jer- Jedrick Wills is on his rookie deal. Uh Jack Conklin, he was just signed. Treaders there, like they 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 have they have their offensive line set. Why Wyatt Teller is not being paid a lot either because he just broke. Wyatt out. Teller, yeah, Wyatt Teller's not not being paid much. Like they, so, I mean, yeah, like this is why I kind of wanted to get into the topic of like running backs don't matter, which like, you know, they for the most part they don't. But I mean, we're talking about a guy who the past three years. He's his rankings in yards after contact have ranked first per attempt has ranked first, third and first. So this isn't even a guy, even with the great offensive line, he's the guy who breaks tackles just about every time he touches the ball. He's he's arguably the best runner in all football. And you're only having to pay him for is, I mean, is he the best well, runner in football because he's behind one of the best offensive lines in the NFL? I mean, the, I mean, the Browns have invested the second most amount of money in the entire league into that offensive line. And it's obviously, I mean, it's paid off. If but it's like after million ish after, I mean, he is a very good running back, but do you really think he's better than Dalvin Cook, than CMC, than... I, I would say... As well, runners, guys, yes. You think yes. he's better than Dalvin Cook as a runner? Yes, I do. I mean, he breaks more tackles than Dalvin Cook, and if 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 you're talking about like overall running back, no, he's not better than Dalvin Cook. I a hundred thousand percent believe he's a better runner because what is there to running the ball other than being elusive and making sure other people miss? Because if you're talking about like the offensive line, like your argument was, are we sure he's as good of a runner because offensive line? I brought up statistics that are independent, independent of the offensive somewhat, line. Yeah, yeah, independent of the offensive line. So even, he is a very good runner, and I think we would all agree on agree with that. But I mean, you got to factor in the fact that you have a backup running back who is not significantly worse. I think what Gavin said was a really good point, which is you're spending eighteen million dollars on your backfield. 
not just the you know the 12 million you're paying for yeah chubb now i mean that's a lot of money to put into the backfield especially again when you have i mean they have a really good young roster a lot of those guys they're gonna they're gonna need contract extensions too they play more important positions it's not a terrible deal i think nick chubb is really talented but I think having Kareem Hunt as a backup, you have a lot of leverage to where you probably didn't need to to shell out, you know, twelve million dollars a year to pay Nick Chubb, especially when you have I a great offensive line. I think that's the problem with this deal. It's not necessarily that the deal is bad. I think it's the fact that they dove in on two running backs. Like the like I think in if in they a just vacuum, had like a if they had a rookie or like a rookie backup who wasn't worth a lot, then I would agree with you. That wouldn't be bad. Yeah, if it was just. If if it was just Nick Chubb and they signed him twelve million dollars a year, I, I mean like I like that a lot because like we're talking about like so the problem with like CMC's contract it was four years, thirty six million dollars total guaranteed. So you're probably you're gonna have to go the whole you're gonna have to go probably at least like three years, uh, in that deal. I mean Kamara thirty four million dollars guaranteed over five years. Uh, well, that's guaranteed. He has 75 total. Zeke, he signed fucking six years, $90 million, $50 million, $15 million a year. So, like, we're talking yeah. about, like, all these running backs. We're getting, like, all these insane deals. And then there's there's Nick Chubb, who's probably a better runner than every running back I've named so far. Uh, and But he's not a better running guarantee. back. He might be a better runner, but he's not, a no, he's not like, a better running yeah. back than Kamara or Cook or CMC. No, no, of course not. No, no, no. No, no argument there, but in terms of just a pure runner, he for a guy who is, I mean, he's so fucking good and so elusive, and it's only a three-year deal, and you can get out of it extremely quick. Like, I, I think the Browns made, like, if you're going to sign a running back, I think they made probably the best running back contract that you can have. Like this is the best running back contract I've seen offered in the past. If you're going to extend like a star quality caliber running back, I would agree. I mean, this is the best deal I've seen for like a star caliber running back. But would you consider Derrick Henry a better runner than Nick Chubb? No, I don't. I really don't. I I really Derek, wouldn't. Yeah, Derrick Henry's really good, but I mean, statistically, I mean, it's really it's really just them too. I mean, like you can like. You can tell me Derrick Henry's better better than him as a pure runner. I I mean I I won't really argue too much. I mean Derrick Henry just had two thousand fucking yards, uh, but like Nick Chubb on a per touch basis breaks more tackles. But I mean Derrick Henry also breaks a shit ton of tackles himself. I mean who who really knows? Like maybe if Nick Chubb got the same amount of workload that Derrick Henry had, maybe he would do just as good. Maybe the workload would kind of hurt him a little bit, and he wouldn't have the he wouldn't have the energy to be able to go for 2000. I have no fucking clue, but I personally would rank Nick Chubb ahead of him in terms of running, but you know, it's really not, I'm not really too passionate about that. But that, that brings the question. So running backs don't matter. I just want like, <laughs> after just going on like this huge hyping up of Nick Chubb, you just say he doesn't no, matter. First. I'm bringing, no, I'm bringing the topic up. Cause obviously, cause I, I think there's, I think there's nuance to that conversation. And I feel like we don't really do a good job of talking about, it. I feel like the analytics community and the film community don't do a good job of having that nuanced conversation about it. Because I think there is, I think there's a huge middle ground there. It's not that running backs don't matter. I think running backs do matter. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, I think running backs do matter. 
The issue is that they matter substantially less than other positions. So when do you extend them? How much do you extend them for? Do you extend them at all? How big of a factor do you put them in your uh, in your offense? Because we see like run-heavy offenses all the time be some of the best offenses in football. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, his entire system is basically it's passing off the run game having every play look like a run play and running play action, running play action off of it. Uh, Arthur Smith, some of the best offenses in Tennessee the past few years. I mean, they've averaged, they've been top five in scoring the past two years and they're a run heavy team. Like we see run heavy, like just cause you're a run heavy team doesn't mean that you're a bad offense or just cause you run through a running back doesn't mean make you a bad offense. So where is that middle ground? Cause I, I think we kind of need to, I think we need to discuss that a little bit. What do you like? What do you guys think about the? Is it's obviously a passing league. Where does running the ball fit, and where do these running backs fit? I think the idea is you pass the ball until the defense makes it just as efficient to run the ball. So you pass the ball, and you know you're getting what seven yards per attempt, or you know that's low, but um, I don't know. I don't know what the league average yards per attempt is. I don't know what you're right around there. Yeah, seven, eight. So that's what you get on average if you pass the ball every down. Obviously, it's more. You know, the variance is more because it's either an incomplete pass or a complete pass. So it's like, on average, like if you complete a pass, it's probably going to be more than seven yards. But you also have to factor in the times so where you get nothing. So but running the ball is more of a you get four yards per attempt and the, the variance there is less. So, but anyway, you, you pass the ball until the defense gives you a better look, a look that you can then run against, whether that's, you know, a four man box or five man, box, whatever, like where you can run the ball and then get close to what you would get passing. So, but going out there and just running the ball into a fucking brick wall repeatedly and hoping, you know, to establish the run. And eventually one of those runs is going to break through. And, you know, the more successful, you know, the more times you run the ball, the more likely you're going to be successful. It's like, it's just not true. And I feel like that's a people that's, that's the mindset that fucks you up. Uh, it's not that running is never the answer. It's just that passing is so much more often the answer way more than the tendencies that we see in the league. So it's like the ratio should not, should never be hundred percent passing 0% running. It just should be, you know, way more skewed towards passing than it is currently. Um, so, and, and I just feel like teams do run stack boxes like on defense way more. Cause they, because they know the teams will just run it anyway. Like, I don't know. Like, you go out there and you're going against Derrick Henry and you see they're in a fucking, like, jumbo set, like, three tight ends with in I formation under and, and then you got Tannehill under center. Where the fuck's the ball going? Okay, probably going to Derrick Henry. But, I don't know. It's just... I think oh, the, the saying running backs don't matter is, is oversimplifying it. Yeah. But it's kind of just the the calling uh, i don't know it's an analytics it's just like a, like a phrase that the analytics community kind of developed um it's meant to be harsh i think to cause discourse like just yeah. running backs don't matter it's kind of the same way where like it's, it's even developed to defense doesn't matter obviously that's not true 
defense does matter, but I think it's in terms of offense versus defense. If I'm going to choose whether to have an elite offense versus an elite defense and have like less below average on the other side of the ball, I'm going to pick offense because offense is just so much more valuable overall than I mean, you saw the chiefs when they, you know, when they, when they won the super bowl, they've never had an elite defense, but they've had an elite yeah. offense every year. So I know that's just, it's, it's just obviously saying running backs do not matter is not accurate, but I also don't think that's what people mean when they say it. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think there's a lot more nuance to the equation. So, I mean, I brought up, I brought up uh, Kyle Shanahan a little while ago and he obviously like he loves his run game. He, he schemes up probably the best running game in all football outside of like the Ravens who have a cheat code in the run game with Lamar Jackson. But outside of the Ravens, their 49ers are when you look at a running team, that's who you want to be. With that said, I mean, even even Kyle Shanahan, he knows that a passing it's a passing league. I mean, the last time he had like an elite quarterback was Matt Ryan in 2016, and they were the third pass happiest offense on early downs. So, like, I mean, he loves his running game. He's always going to love his running game. I think, I think the way to really do it, Winston, uh, is you kind of need. I mean, you don't necessarily need it because obviously the Chiefs have had only one way to win the past few years, and that's to pass the ball, and that works because you have Andy Reid, you have Patrick Mahomes, but you're not going to have that same game plan if you have like if you have Kirk Cousins. You know, you're not going to pass it 50 times a game and be happy with yourself. So I, I think I think there's just like if you have an elite quarterback, you're you're gonna want to pass it just about every down, and you should pass it just about every down. But is there is there a sense that even if you don't have an elite quarterback, should you pass seventy five percent of the time? Because I feel like you you're kind of get you're kind of putting yourself in a in a in a situation where you're putting you're kind of pinning yourself against a wall saying this is how we have how we have to win and this, it's the same argument with running the ball where like tennessee and minnesota right now they're kind of in a shit situation because the way they have to win right now is for running the ball because that's just how they're built and they don't have any other options they don't necessarily have that elite quarterback so i think it's kind of it's kind of damned if you do damned if you don't situation with them i feel like it's definitely law of diminishing returns, right? I mean, it's not like, so, uh, you know, passing the ball will give you a certain output, but if you just only pass the ball, then teams can just play quarters all, all game. And there's really no reason. Then all of a sudden passing is going to become a lot less efficient because I mean, defenses will play to that. So there's definitely a happy balance. I just think that the balance that's happy is way not what the NFL currently views it as um, for whatever reason. It's like every fucking team has an analytics person or an analytics department, but just they don't, I think it comes down to the coach. I just think it has to. And they just like, they'll, they'll look at what infuriates me. A lot of coaches will say is like, I, I listen to analytics, but when they say that, I feel like they only listen to analytics when it confirms what they already believe. Yeah. But if it goes if it goes against what they believe, then like ah well, you know they can't you know analytics doesn't account for you know these game time like you know moment decisions where I have to make a split second call on fourth down. It's like, but it does. Yeah. It's just you know I mean, 
I don't know. Con- Connor, what? Yeah. Connor, what so, about you? Where do you? Where do you think the run game fits in today's NFL? Because obviously it's a passing league, and it should be a passing league. You shouldn't really prioritize the run anymore at this point. But I think like, the question that – I think when people say running backs don't matter – I think the, the the question that that's really getting at isn't whether or not you need to run the football or whether or not running the football should be a part of your offense. It's how much of an impact does a running back have on the run game in comparison yeah. to the offensive line and the offensive scheme, as you mentioned with Kyle Shanahan. It's not like the 49ers have elite running backs. They just have a bunch of good running backs who can both run the football efficiently and they're good at catching the ball. And if you have a bunch of guys like that, the Patriots have done this for a long time too. If you have a bunch of like okay running backs, you can have a really efficient running game and you can run the football when it matters and have a varied enough offense to be productive. When you don't you don't really need like an Ezekiel Elliott or a Nick Chubb or a Dalvin Cook to have a, a very effective offense. But you can't just completely neglect the run game. And that obviously is a combination of both the running back and the offensive line. But I, I guess the question is how much of a running game is based on the offensive line and how much of it is based on the running back and the guy running the football. I think most run games are dependent on the quarterback. I think so much. Is de- I think if you look at the Steelers, I think it, it, it really leans towards, yeah, quarterback, offense, and offensive line. I don't know how much of a difference having like a really good running back is compared to having a good running back or an average running back. I don't know how much of – does that move the needle enough to justify some of these contracts? Probably not. No, I would agree. I'd agree. I I think the I think the the way I look at it is kind of like if you want to be a balanced team and you want to run the ball, I have no problem with that. I think what annoys me is when teams can't get away from that. Like if the Chiefs wanted to, they can be a more balanced team and they could still put up 35 points a game. Like they very well could and they and you can even argue that they should be a little bit more balanced. Uh, I personally don't want them to be more balanced. I think the way they play is completely fine. I think if they do go more balanced, then that's kind of throwing everything that's worked away past few years. But, you know, either way, maybe just a little bit, maybe a little bit more balanced because, you know, having Patrick Mahomes definitely sets up some running lanes for you uh, in the front of that passing game. But uh, I digress. I think... If you want to have a balanced team, you want to if you want to run the ball, that's completely fine. Just pass on early downs more. Make sure that you don't make sure you, the theme of you winning the game isn't based entirely on the fact that you run the ball. You should be able to win in multiple ways. Don't be the Titans where if you're you're going to run the ball 30 times a game no matter what and you're not going to get away from it no matter if you're down 7 or if you're down 14. You're you're gonna have to pass the ball because if end or but the only way you're gonna make it to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl is if you have an efficient passing game. You don't necessarily need to lead the league in passing yards, but you need to be able to be an efficient and effective passing game and know when to get away from the run game. If you have if you have a top running game, go for it. I don't even mind you running it that much, but you need to know when to get away from it. You know you need to know when to pass. So that's 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 where I I I think I'm kind of getting more nuanced on getting a more nuanced opinion on running the ball and running backs. Even though I do fucking hate running back contracts, I fucking Z just we're all waiting for the Saquon contract. We yeah, talk about it. That's gonna be a dark day for this podcast. Chris may not be here. <laughs> I, he might need I, a couple I, weeks look, off. Connor, you and me have already had our day, right? It's Chris. Yeah, turn. it's coming, Chris. 
And just wait. Najee will get in a few years, maybe. We'll see. Well, anyway, moving on, let's get down to Josh Allen. Josh Allen just signed a six-year extension worth $258 million with $150 million guaranteed. First of all, uh, who... Who the fuck saw this coming a year ago? Uh, uh, one Chris, being a top were, five. Connor, you, you know. did not fucking see this coming. Don't even. I was always high on Josh Allen. Yeah, when but not. Jacob Eaton gets his contract. I'm kidding. Shut I'm up, kidding. Connor. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. You and I were pretty close on our predictions with Josh Allen a couple years ago, right? You, were, you, yeah. you and I were spot on. Yeah, we were mm-hmm. very... Yeah, we were, we were we were we saw this coming. We saw Josh Allen being a superstar from day one. We saw forty plus touchdowns coming in twenty twenty, uh, and we saw two hundred fifty eight million dollars going to his bank account. Uh, no, no, we were very down on Josh Allen, a guy who never had a sixty completion percentage from high school through college to his first two years in the NFL. Almost has a seventy completion percentage this past season, an MVP type year. He, I mean, I he. I to put it lightly, he earned it. He earned the contract. The the question is uh whether or not you would have done this contract now or later. That that's that's the way I look at it. Is I mean, I get the idea of signing him now because you have Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield contracts coming up and you wanna be the first one to sign the contract because you get him from you they potentially saved money on a Josh Allen extension by doing it now as opposed to later. But uh, that's with the assumption that he maintains that level of play. Yes, exactly. And my question to you guys is, and we kind of talked about it on our quarterback rankings episode, is how confident are you guys that Josh Allen can get to or exceed the level of play that he had last year? Do you want to start, Kevin? You guys can go and, and, and dump all over Josh Allen. I'll, I'll just be waiting. No, 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 I want, no, no. I want you to start. I want to. I want to. I want to hear. I want to hear why you think this is like sustainable. Like, is is this sustainable? Like, what? Like, do you think this jo- level of Josh Allen is here to stay? I absolutely. And and you guys are gonna hate that I make this comparison. I mean, I honestly kind of think of it the way I thought about LeBron James. When he came into the NBA, not that Josh Allen was that type of like protege or that he's as good as LeBron James, but LeBron James came into the NBA and he was a great player. I mean, Josh Allen wasn't a great player when he came into the NFL. He was actually bad. But he was a bad thrower. He was a good rusher of the football, which made him a little bit below average as a quarterback overall. And for somebody his age, it's not terrible. But he had all the tools, obviously, to be a great and elite quarterback. LeBron James went from LeBron James went from great (laughs) to elite because he developed his mid-range game and he developed a serviceable three-point shot. Josh Allen, all he had to do was be more accurate because he had obviously a great arm. I, he had, you know, I don't think this compares. Really good athlete, but he worked on his. He, he clearly worked on his accuracy, and it's paid off. No, I know, but he, I don't. I don't think this comparison say, I don't think this comparison is saying what you think it should say. What do you think? What what do you think? I mean, I'm not saying he's LeBron James. I'm saying (laughs) that he worked on his game and it's paid off. And I don't see why he would regress. Honestly, I mean, they have the same team around him. They got, you know, Stefan Diggs. They got Beasley if he doesn't get COVID. They they have, you know, a really good offensive line. They have a good defense. I mean, they have a really good system around him, too. I mean, they built the team around him. 
give credit to the Bills organization. I think they found a way to make him as productive as possible. Obviously, he put a lot of work in, and Stefan Diggs obviously made a huge difference for his game. I think it's a little unfair to be too hard on Josh Allen for his first couple of years because he didn't have an elite receiver. I mean, he had John Brown, who was a good deep threat, but he didn't have an elite receiver. And I think if you look at the best quarterbacks in the NFL, they almost all have elite receivers. So I was expecting him to take a big step last year. I wasn't expecting him to be this good last year, but now that he's shown that he can do that, and clearly he always had the tools to be like a top five quarterback in the NFL. Now that he's shown that, now that he's demonstrated that he, you know, obviously, you know, we put that to paper. I, I think this is a good deal. I think you're right, Chris. If if they waited, the only way the only way that price was going to go was up, especially after the Mayfield and Jackson contracts got solidified or likely get solidified. I mean, it, it's the first mover's advantage they got. I think I don't know how much they're going to end up saving, but the only way that price was going for Josh Allen was up. I think he's going to be excellent this year. I don't really see any reason why he wouldn't be excellent again this year. Um, you know, it's this. It's it's basically the same team. I'm sure, I'm sure I'm sure Eagles fans thought the same thing about Wentz. Okay, Carson Wentz never had a season as good as Josh Allen did last year. 2017 was pretty well, fucking good. No. It was really good. He didn't finish that season out, but it was it was never as good as as Josh like, Allen was last year. It's like one or two games. And, but yeah. Yes. Carson it wasn't Wentz was as not, good, but it was yeah. like you know, it was it was, it was really was fluky. If you if, if if I mean I don't I don't know if you guys have like I mean Yes, it was really yeah, propped but, up by third down efficiency and a bunch of things that just aren't sustainable. I don't know what about Josh Allen's game wasn't sustainable last year. I think it's more of a so. I mean, I'm. I think uh, I think he's more here to stay than he's not. Uh, I mean, the only thing that's kind of getting to me is that seems unsustainable is. He is such a anomaly in terms of improving. There, there is literally, I don't, there is literally, and I, I, I thought about it for a second. I paused for a second. I was like, should I say literally in this case? Because maybe there's another example. No, no, no. There is no example of a quarterback improving as much as Josh Allen did in terms of accuracy. There, it's never been done. In terms Ever. of accuracy, that's right. But I would argue that Lamar Jackson, from his first season to his second season, had it almost. But he as wasn't big of even a more accurate. No, it wasn't I mean, that he was more accurate. He was just better and more productive. But I mean, he yeah, was I, more I accurate. But it wasn't like he didn't go from like Josh Allen was no. like what fifty three or four percent to like sixty seven in a fifty three percent. I think it was like fifty seven percent or fifty six percent. And it was low. I, I don't know. It, it maybe was wasn't fifty three, but it was bad. Well, let's let's just let's just put in another perspective. So Josh Allen had the least amount of uh, inaccurate balls in all of the NFL, like in terms of percentage. Like he had the highest percentage of catchable accurate balls last year per PFF. Like that, that's like we're not talking about a guy who went from like like Lamar Jackson went from bad to like pretty decent at passing like like yeah. he wasn't like an elite passer by any means he was a pretty good passer we went josh allen went from bad passer like to elite 52 passer. like 52.8 completion percentage rookie year 58.8 his uh sophomore season to 69.2 percent mo like by some statistics most accurate passer in the league last year that's 
unheard of. So Bonkers, that's kind of like where, like, that's kind of like where it gets me. Where it's just like, is it unsustainable? I mean, for most accurate quarterbacks, like usually accuracy doesn't really go anywhere. Like usually accuracy is kind of the thing that you come in with from uh, your rookie year, and it's either you're accurate, you're or you're not. The thing that really you need to work on is reading defenses, because if you can read defenses, that's where your accuracy is going to thrive. Because if you're an accurate quarterback, if you just see the guy who's open, you're going to be able to make the pass. For Josh Allen, that wasn't even the fucking case. Like he just wasn't accurate. It's like, and now he's. To, yeah, go ahead. There. Sorry, Chris. No, you got it. I, I was just saying, like the most common comparison, I'd say, and maybe I'm wrong. Most common comparison in terms of quarterback that he got coming out in terms of athletics, his arm, his build was Cam Newton, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. He was, I heard huge. That, yeah. he was, he was huge. He wasn't accurate, but he had a strong ass arm. He was athletic as shit. Cam never became an accurate ever. In his, even in his MVP year, he had a sub 60% completion percentage. Like, I think the only time he ended the season over a 60% completion percentage was in 2018, whenever fucking Norv Turner came in and decreased his yards per attempt by like two yards. And then he had like a 62 or 3%. He just dumped off all CMZ. That's that's one of those things where it's like, yeah, Cam came into the league, but that was just his thing. Like he wasn't that accurate. He was crazy athletic, running you over, had a huge arm, was like pretty in terms of like deep ball passes, had a pretty good success rate on the deep ball. But Josh Allen was inaccurate. And so people just thought, I just I assumed that's just where he was gonna be. He was just gonna be inaccurate. And if he could, you know maybe tweak it a little bit where he just didn't make the really stupid decisions that he made, like as a, you know, freshman and a, and a sophomore in the NFL, which that was part of Josh Allen's game that I was kind of liked was just, it was funny. I mean, like he was an entertaining quarterback to watch whether he was good or bad. I mean, he would just like fucking chuck the ball into wherever. And it was, you know, yeah. but all of a sudden he's, you know, imagine like if like Cam, if he had a random season where he threw for 68% almost, that would have been absurd. The, yeah. The, the fact that that's his best comparison and like he, he came, never changed. It's like, I think you're right. You are right. That's never happened. There's never been a quarterback that has come in the league and had the trajectory. Like normally it's like, yeah, of course you give a quarterback a couple seasons and then he's like really good. Like, Peyton Manning or whoever, but it's literally been a, like a curve. You're breaking up a little bit, Gab. Oh, sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Okay. No, but like what, what you're saying, uh, just just to finish off what you're, th- well, I think you were saying like, like Cam Newton, he literally never, he never, he, he came in inaccurate and he never really got accurate. Peyton Manning, he came in, he started off with his struggles, but his struggles weren't accuracy issues. Once he got up to the speed of the game, once he actually could read defenses and was adjusted to the speed of his receivers, speed of the defenses, he he took off because his accuracy was always there. Josh Allen, his accuracy was never there, 
and then somehow it just got there and that never happens like it's never happened but i i I guess the question is what about because i watched a lot of bills games last year because i'm a josh allen fan and i had stefan diggs on my fantasy team um just gotta throw that in there Digs in, digs in a Blanket was my fantasy team name, which is a great, objectively great team name, but uh, I digress. Um, so I watched a lot of Bills, game beca- Bills games because of that. It didn't seem like there was anything he was doing last year that was unsustainable. It didn't look like he, I mean, again, he was just fantastic. I know it's unexpected. I know it's unprecedented, but I don't, like, if you guys could, like, point to me something about last year that doesn't look, besides just having great numbers and having that jump, is there something about his game is there something about the team he's on? Because it's not a significantly different team from last year that no. would make you think that he would regress. No. So the thing is, so where I stand on next year for 2021 with Josh Allen, I think he, it's inevitable he's going to regress because I think last year's numbers are kind of like they're, it's extremely hard to repeat. But I for don't anybody, think he's going to regress much. Yeah. He's, is that regression like 65% completion percentage? And like yeah, exactly. That is it's going to championship gonna, again. It's going to be an incredible year, I think, next year. I think he's going to have an incredible year. I think where I have questions is what's going to happen when Brian Dabble inevitably gets hired as a head coach. Yeah. I think that system change might be a shock, but I, I think he just honestly put in the work. I mean, it's a great system. He's He's got a good offensive yeah. line, good receivers. I think he just put in the work. I mean, he obviously had yeah. the tools to do it, and I think he's, you know, he's, he, I mean, he deserves this contract after the year he had last year. And I, I didn't see anything in his game last year that I'm like concerned about, honestly. No, I no, mean, not, I, mean I don't think it's necessarily like a statistic that he's like unsustainably good in like a Justin Herbert. But like, I just think when certain quarterbacks have certain seasons, like Lamar Jackson, you know, in 2018 in his MVP year, I don't think anyone saw like, oh, this is unsustainable, obviously, unless he gets hurt. But then Lamar did regress because his touchdown percentage was insanely high. And then that, that was unsustainable, and he wasn't a very accurate. Even in his second game, he wasn't super accurate the way Josh Allen was last year. I just don't see what Josh again. The percent, the touchdown percentage for Lamar Jackson is unsustainable. Carson Wentz, third down efficiency is unsustainable. Justin Herbert, who I love, the way he handled being under pressure as a rookie might be unsustainable. I didn't. I don't. I, I haven't heard anyone say a statistic like that for Josh Allen that would explain why what he did would be un, unsustainable. Especially with that great team and system around him, but I'm I'm definitely open to if you if you guys have like a statistic that would kind of mirror those I, I ones just, for those other quarterbacks. People are subject to regression to the mean, and unless you think that this is now the the baseline for Josh Allen, I just think regression is natural. I, I you know like yeah. whenever someone has an MVP year, right? Like I don't know any quarterback that has an MVP year, like Matt Ryan. Okay, he had an MVP year. Obviously the offensive coordinator changed, right? They went from Shanahan to Sarkeesian, but there's just certain quarterbacks that have these great years and that's fine. Cause it was like the, the up end of their potential. And then the next year they're still good. They're just not an MVP the next year again, unless you're Peyton Manning or Aaron Rodgers. which Hey, fuck, maybe Josh Allen will be, I don't know. Um, I just don't think even if he does regress, it's not regression to bad. It's just regression to still very good, but just not like, holy fuck, this guy's absolutely incredible. I, I think he will still be a very good passer, even an elite passer. I just, I don't know necessarily if he'll be in the MVP conversation again next year. Maybe he will, but I just, you know, I just think, I think regression is natural and not like. I think that's ha- definitely, I, I definitely understand that. I don't, I mean, it's, 
there's only a couple people who are going to be the MVP conversation. I don't know if he's going to be in the MVP conversation next year. I think he will be. I have a lot of confidence in Josh Allen. And I'm going to roll with that. But that's fair. I, I, do, do you guys think, like, when you talk about regression, top 10 quarterback, top 15 quarterback, like, where well, do you I think, think he'll he still be top 10? I mean, when you look at, like, who's and if he's in the top, top 10, 10, I think this deal, we're going to look back on this deal. If he's a top 10 quarterback and he has, he gives his team a chance to win. Super Bowl every year for the next six years with a good roster around him. I think we're going to look back on this contract and I think we're going to say this is a good deal. Well, I think Baker yeah, Mayfield and Lamar Jackson will both have, especially Lamar Jackson. I see, what you, I, I see what you mean, but if top 10 is your baseline, who do you think is the 10th best quarterback in the league? What, like Kirk Cousins? I, don't, I wouldn't Probably pay Kirk Cousins. Ryan, Ryan Tannehill's 10th ish. Yeah, I, well, I wouldn't pay either Justin one of them $43 Herbert. million a year. You know what I'm saying? So if you're paying that guy $43 million a year, you kind of need him to be top six or seven or five yeah. even you know i think we need to move on uh but before we do that i i i'll end with this i think my real only argument with josh allen is he kind of just got so good so quick at a great time like it wasn't even like like it wasn't like even like a trajectory really because like i mean yeah he improved from his rookie year to his second year but it wasn't like a like it did. It wasn't like a you know, st- I'm steady. I'm just steadily increasing. I'm improving every game. It went from literally like shit to literally arguably the best quarterback in football. Uh, which obviously there's not really an argument because it's Patrick Mahomes. But you know, arguably second best quarterback in football. Uh, and because he got so good so quick. It's just kind of like we have he's played 45 games in his career now, 44. And really, there's only one 16 game sample in that where you can really just say, wow, he was good all throughout. So it's kind of hard to just throw away his past. So I think that's really the only argument there is, because if we're basing it on last year, there wasn't anything. There legitimately wasn't like there wasn't anything that's unsustainable. They they pass on early downs like Brian Dabble doesn't give a fuck about the run game. And I love that about him. So <laughs> they're going to pass on early downs. He's going to get his yards. He's going to get his touchdowns. He has Stephon Diggs. So unless Stephon Diggs just gets hurt, uh, uh, I mean, knock on wood, it, there's not there's nothing to really stop Josh Allen except for, I guess, his, himself regressing to what he used to be. And I just based on just last year, I don't know if that's I, I don't know if you can feasibly argue that it's a hundred percent gonna happen. Like nobody can argue that. So I'm more on the side that Josh Allen, the new Josh Allen, the new and improved Josh Allen is mostly here to stay. But like Gavin said, regression to the mean is probably gonna happen where he's still a top ten quarterback and arguably a top five quarterback. So I, I think he's here to stay and I think it was a good deal for the Bills. But you never know. I can I can definitely see him falling back to, down to earth just because it was so such a rocket ship rise. But back to back to the extension talks. Before we get to our uh, Wentz talk, would you guys sign either Lamar or Baker now? And uh, we'll be quick about this. We don't have to get we don't have to get into a whole big conversation about it. But would you guys sign either of them right now? No. I think, I think we pretty much know what Baker Mayfield is. I think Lamar Jackson's a little bit more volatile, so I think the exact value of Lamar Jackson, although he is obviously has a much higher floor than Baker Mayfield, I don't know. I think 
I would consider doing it for. I think I consider doing it for Lamar Jackson just because his floor is so high. And again, I think there's a good chance that this might be the lowest you can get him for after a season where he had some struggles. Uh, I don't know. I, I probably wouldn't. I think I, I, it would depend on the contract. Would yeah. you sign up? Would you, would you extend either of them? I just feel so like Josh Allen already got paid, right? So yeah, like, I would. Yeah, I would so wait you don't have like a first mover's advantage. Yeah, so you got to. Yeah. You already, yeah. I would wait a year now just because I want to see if Lamar can improve as a passer. And then, like, if he doesn't, I can just use that against him and then resign him. Okay, but uh, I guess the worst case scenario, maybe not the worst case scenario because you have a, you would have an amazing quarterback. Let's say Lamar Jackson takes a, a significant jump and develops into, like, a good, solid passer. All of a sudden, he's going he's gonna to command a lot more money. Which is fine by me. That's the it's risk. Fine. Take. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's okay. fine by me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I, I think that wouldn't be a terrible risk because then you would obviously have a great yeah. quarterback. Yeah. Uh, if uh, I would say I would wait on both of them. If I had to re-sign one of them right now, like like I have to, if like both of them are becoming free agents tomorrow, uh, I would I, I would sign Lamar and I would hesitate on Baker Uh just because I, I think Lamar, he's his floor is what it is, and it's always going to be his floor. He's so like what you said, Connie. He's so good. He's such a dynamic runner to where I know he's going to win me games. Baker, I, I'm not exactly sure. Baker on 35 to 40 million dollars a year. I mean, he has everything around him right now because of his rookie contract. He has a very expensive offensive line. He has he has expensive weapons in OBJ and Jarvis. He has. Austin Hooper, who's making a shit ton of money. He has the now expensive running backs. Like everything around him is extremely expensive. And once he signs that contract, he's not going to have all those pieces. So who am I most confident in, in like in producing without all of that? I'm way more confident in in Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and their fours than I am uh baker but if i had to say who am i confident like 10 years from now like if i had to sign one of the two to a 10-year contract i'm signing baker over lamar because i was gonna say i was literally about to ask how many years did you sign lamar to because if i mean lamar is really young but how productive is lamar going to be at 32 years old yeah exactly and i said i said the same thing on twitter i said like who am i taking now lamar over baker who am i taking three years from now lamar over baker who do I want for as my quarterback for the next ten years? Baker, because I just once Lamar's athleticism like falls off a little bit, he's gonna have to pass more. And am I confident he's even a good passer if his running's not there? I'm not. So I, that's that's tough. Because if Lamar's really only tough. running for like five six hundred yards a year instead of like a thousand, it's that's just not. He doesn't make up enough on the ground. To, to counteract his passing and his passing is not going to get like better when he's 30, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so. exactly. Uh, so moving on, uh, our last topic of the day. So what Carson Wentz, he is injured. He's going to miss five to 12 weeks, whatever the fuck that means. That like during the season or table. like starting now? Starting, after starting now. Right. Okay. Yeah. So after the surgery, yeah, five to 12 weeks. So he could either miss, uh, like, he can potentially be ready for the start of the season, or he can miss just about half the season. 
So pretty good timetable. Good job, Doc. So uh, what that means is, so first of all, let me just ask you guys, do you think this is a blessing in disguise for the Colts? Because the Colts did give the Eagles a conditional first-round pick. Oh, they're so lucky they did that, is what I want yeah, to okay. say. Like, they, they are... You're breaking up again, Gavin. You're breaking up. Sorry. They're relieved, is what I was saying. They're not happy. They're not happy because their starting quarterback is hurt, but they're definitely like way better off than if they didn't put that condition in the trade. So what so I keep going like kind of back and forth on this, but like I mean, my main opinion is I think the Colts are not that I ever wish for injury, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, Carson Wentz is hurt and the Colts are, in my opinion, kind of extremely lucky that he doesn't play seventy plus percent of the snaps because do either of you guys think that the Colts really have a chance to win the Super Bowl with Carson Wentz? No. I mean, if Carson Connor. Wentz plays like he did in 2017, it was 2017. Yeah, but realistically, maybe. realistically, realistically, no. But I mean, I think they have a chance to not just make the playoffs, but potentially make a run in the playoffs. But I, I, don't, I couldn't see them beating Kansas City. I can't see him beating Kansas City. Or I can't Buffalo. see him beating Buffalo. Yeah. I can't yeah. really even see him beating Baltimore. Like I, I don't, or or the Browns. Honestly, I don't. I, I think they're like one of those like good, not great teams, and they're. Their windows kind of now, and I don't and know. Quentin Nelson also got hurt with the same injury, so that's yeah. not, not going to be good for the. the so moving forward. So if you are the Colts right now, do you embrace the tank and just say, "Okay, we're having our first round pick anyway," or do you trade for a quarterback, replace Wentz, and go on try and go on that playoff run, and maybe Wentz is back for it? Or just embrace the tank. I mean, maybe not the tank, but you have two young quarterbacks in, in Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger. I mean, the reports out of camp say that both of them have been good in camp. I know that doesn't mean a lot. But just, give, nothing. just give, you give them a chance. They have a good team around them still, even if Quentin Nelson can't play for the first couple of weeks. They have Bring a good team Rivers. around them. <laughs> Bring let's, back say, Rivers. let's say exactly what I think is going to happen happens. And... Uh, Jacob Eason starts and they go 0 and 2 because Jacob Eason's not good. Connor okay, is they could go, they could, they, they could, they could go 0 and 2 and Jacob Eason could still be good. They have to play the Rams and the Titans the first, no, I think the Seahawks and the Rams the first two weeks. Okay, okay, okay. But you say Eason's not good and they go 0 and 2 mostly because of Jacob Eason. What do you do? Do you embrace the tank or do you trade for another quarterback? I would I would bring in Sam Ellinger at that point. He's I think he's a he's a rookie. So I, God, I damn it, Connor. Just, okay, then they go zero three because Sam Ellinger sucks ass. Then what? <laughs> then what do you do? Then they I'm just dr- send Brett Hundley. Give- then you give Brett Hundley. Oh Jesus, <laughs> Brett Hundley. You know? Then you trade for Josh Love. <laughs> Gordon Love, not Josh Love. Okay. So. Personally, personally, I would love for them to just embrace the tank because I think that this is a team that, like, if they got, like, it's not going to happen. So I don't even know why I'm even talking about it. But hypothetically, if they got, like, a Spencer Rattler, they got a Sam Howell, and next year they can, like, 
I don't know. It kind of sucks because Carson Wentz is kind of locked down with that contract. But, you know, maybe you can flip him for like a third or fourth, fifth maybe. I mean, some, somebody's got to be interested in him still, even after this year. Uh, and then you have that offensive line. You have a defense that's pretty like pretty established. Like you, like They can go from a team that's in a win-now mode to a team that extends that window for another few years. So I think that's the best-case scenario for them. But I understand that's not likely. I think they're going to go on a playoff run, or try to go on a playoff run, I should say. Uh, so the best way to do that is probably to get a quarterback. So without further ado, we're doing a two-round backup quarterback draft who we would pick to go out to, uh, for the Colts to go after. You want to do so the stipulations? I got the first on pick. Yeah, go through some of the stipulations. You want to do the stipulations? Oh, we're not stipulations. doing backup rookie quarterbacks. and So we're not doing any rookie quarterbacks, and we're not doing any quarterback that's part of a quarterback competition. So Jimmy G is not part of it because he very well might be – he's probably going to be a starter week one. Uh, though he is in a quarterback competition, he might not. We're not going to include him, though he te- he is an option in real life. But you know, we we w- we want to be fun. We want to talk about people who are strictly backups. Who can the Colts go for? So I'm going to start. I'm number one pick. We're going to go Serpentine. Serpentine. Is it Serpentine or Serpentine? I always mix it up. I think you've asked us before, too. And I think- Have I? I say Serp. I think you asked it on the last podcast, actually. But yeah, because when we did the draft, like the non-quarterback draft, oh, <laughs> you shit. asked the same shit. question. I think I did ask it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, so I'm first pick. Connor's second pick. Gavin's third pick. And then Serpentine. So person I'm picking, and I think very well might be the best backup quarterback in the NFL. I'm going to go for one Marcus Mariota. Reason being is because, I mean, for one... I mean, I don't think he's a guy who's the future in the NFL, but I think he's probably, I mean, not according to our rankings because we used, we did factor in rookies, but if we didn't factor in rookies, I think he's probably a top 32 quarterback in the NFL. And if the team uses him right and uses his legs, unlike the Titans did, the Titans really never use his legs often. And maybe through his injury history, but. I think Marcus Mariota, if you use him the way that he should be used, and that's getting him 10-plus 10, 10 carries a game, and you put him in your offense, you have a pretty good floor on offense, one that you didn't ever have with, like, Jacoby Brissett uh, when they tried making him a starting quarterback. Just He's probably just as good a passer as Jacoby Brissett, probably better, and he has a thousand times more mobility. So give, give me Marcus Mariota. Connor. So, uh... You actually mentioned the guy who I'm. I was going to take Marcus Mariota, so you know, fuck you. But uh, I would take Jacoby Brissett. Obviously, he was on the Colts. He wasn't great. He was an okay passer on a bad team. 18 touchdowns, six interceptions. They went seven and eight with him under center. I mean, he was just okay. I don't think either of these guys get you to the playoffs. But you know, you have somebody who is familiar with the locker room. Somebody who obviously, you know has played with the Colts before. He's, he's familiar with the coaching staff. It wouldn't be hard for him to pick up the offense. And he's a serviceable backup. He's started before. Uh, he's not too old either, which isn't a huge factor in this, but I guess it's better than being old. I guess being young is usually better than being old. So I would say, uh, yeah, uh, Jacoby Purcell would be my pick. 
Wow, I'm actually really shocked you picked Jacoby Brissett. I don't know about Chris, but um, yeah, I'm happy. Shocked. I'm stuck at the end of the draft, but I think I got pretty two good options here. Uh, one, I'm going with the legendary stash himself, Garter Minshew. I'm taking him as my backup. Uh, we're not saying he's in a controversy because no one's really expecting him to start over Trevor Lawrence. So um, I'm taking him at the end of the first round. Um I think never do I think he's going to be some kind of crazy elite guy, but if as a backup, I take him. I think he could even start in the league. I mean, he has, and he's been he's shown stints of being decent and even even magic. So, um, then as my first pick in the second round, I'm going to take Chris's darling Nick Mullins as as my second backup. Um, he may be a little system dependent. Um, but he has also shown stints of being very productive. I mean, dude is like, it's that crazy stat where it's like in his first fucking like 16 games, he's thrown for like almost the most yards. I don't know. It was a lot. It was like, it was like 4,400 yards. It was insane. I mean, I get that it was in a Shanahan offense, but like, fuck, I mean, CJ Bether didn't do that. And he was also started a decent amount of games. Anyways, I think Nick Mullins as a backup is very good. I think never could he be a sustainable long-term starter, but that's not what any of these guys are really. Um, so yeah, those are my, those are my, that's my dynamic duo. Connor, your last backup quarterback. So I'm kind of, I'm I'm kind of torn. I'm kind of torn here between uh, two guys. Um, uh, you know what? I'll go, I'll go, I'll go for the, I'll go for like a somewhat joking pick. I'll, I'll think Mitchell Trubisky, the Nickelodeon, most valuable player. You know, he's, he's, he's taken a team to the playoffs before. He's he's pretty athletic-ish. He's a Tar Heel. Go Tar Heels! And uh, you know he's the, being the fact that he's started and he's relatively young as a backup makes him more valuable than most backups. Okay, so I'll go with my last pick, and what a doozy it is. I can't believe he's lasted this long. The number one person that I would love the Colts to even get, not even from a winning situation, just like to win games, but from a comedic standpoint, is Nick Foles. And he's the only fucking right answer here. (laughs) Big Dick Nick going back to taking Carson Wentz's job. Carson Wentz would, like, Carson Wentz would have to get, like, he would need therapy. If that happens, if if, if he Nick would, pro- he would probably back. just retire, I think the move at that point is just to retire. Like, imagine going from like literally like the Eagles, let him let Nick Foles go, re-sign Carson Wentz, and Carson Wentz is like, finally, I don't have to hear about the Philly media talking about a backup quarterback taking like winning the Super Bowl over me when I get injured and. He should have my job, blah, blah, blah. He leaves, goes to Jacksonville. Then they draft uh, Jalen Hurts, and he has another backup, and he's just like, all right, this ain't so bad. He has the worst season in his career, then gets traded, and then the first guy comes back around, and is your big dick Nick is your fucking quarter. Like, how fucking funny would that be if big dick Nick just made dude, full rounds? He'd have to share a locker room. Dude, it would be – I mean – you gotta assume there's some kind of animosity there. I'm not like I mean obviously some resentment. Right. I would say probably yeah, some resentment. Well, like I'm talking yeah, about like, city. He I don't know if it's like personal, like if he actually dislikes Nick Foles, or if it's just like obviously he you know, if he could rewind time 
in 2017 will probably go a little bit differently in his dream scenario. But I wonder if he actually holds like some true personal resentment to Nick Foles or if he realizes, well, that's just what happens. Well, so, I mean, obviously, like Nick Foles contracts, uh, let me just look that up real quick. I don't know how much he's been because obviously he had that $85 million contract from the Jaguars, which never made sense. Which is insane. But yeah. Uh, so trading for him would be pretty expensive in terms of that. But hypothetically, I mean, Frank Wright, the head coach of the uh, Eagles, he was the one who really, and he was apparently the brains behind the passing game in 2017 when the Eagles won their Super Bowl. Uh, he is, Nick Foles went on his MVP, Super Bowl MVP run with Frank Reich as his uh, offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. This is actually like like I would love to see Nick Foles just tear it up with the Colts and then Carson Wentz just having to watch it all on the sideline. Like I don't wish ill will on on Carson Wentz. I literally have nothing against the guy, but just seeing that would objectively be one of the funniest things to have happened in humanity. <laughs> Jesus. Like it, it, it's it's fucked up to say because Carson Wentz, like, would I, he might have a breakdown if that happened, but it, it would legitimately be one of the funnier things to have happen. Not the breakdown itself. I don't want Carson Wentz to break down. I hope his mental health is okay. But to see him get dethroned by not no one other than the what guy. If that a, what if they won a Super Bowl too? Like how just how mind would, fucked would yeah? I would just be it. I. I I would root for Nick Foles until the day I die if that happens. They built yeah, I would say they built a statue for Nick Foles in front of the Colts Stadium. Fucking crazy. Well anyway, that will be it from us. Hope you enjoyed our backup quarterback draft. Uh it's kind of a last minute decision by us to do it. Uh but I had fun. Uh hope you guys enjoyed it too. Uh follow us on Smash Mouth FB Pod on Twitter, and we will see you next time. Peace, guys.